Well, good morning. We are glad that you joined us again, and we are in the middle of a four-part series uh, called What Do You See? We are very excited to celebrate Father's Day with you. We're thankful for so many incredible dads in our church uh, and our friends' circles, and uh, just for you, for all you do for your family, and choosing to be with us on this Father's Day. Uh, we're just honored to be with you, and uh, we're excited about all the the videos that came in, and our kids uh, are blessed by the many men that are involved in serving here. Uh, we're looking forward to getting back to that soon, and as Scott mentioned, we're hoping to be back in the room together within a couple of weeks. Uh, we will have all the definitive information about that this coming week. We'll let you know, and we're ready, and I'm sure you're ready um, as we begin to meet together and uh, as our students begin to get together again, um, and so we're going to be just watching that and doing uh, doing all that together. Uh, we are coming into week two on what do you see? And I know we're coming off of, of a week that was very hard to hear last week. It was hard for me. I have no doubt it was hard for you. Uh, Scott and I, we were talking through when do we do this series? And we had talked about waiting and doing this later, not right in the midst of all that's going on and, and encompassing Father's Day. Um, but we felt like that what's going on right now in our world is unique and it is important because this is not just an issue in Minneapolis. This is not just an issue in New York. This is not just an issue in Seattle or Portland. It's not just an issue in Chattanooga. This is an issue that is affecting the entire world right now. While we have had different cries in the area of injustice and racism, I cannot remember in recent history where there has been such a global outcry about oppression in general. And the reality is, is that we all come at this conversation from different places. We all come at this conversation with different experiences. Uh, we all come at this conversation not always seeing the perspective of others. And sometimes uh, we like that. <laughs> Sometimes we enjoy having our perspective, which is safe and an easier to deal with on a day-to-day -day basis than it is to uh, worry about other people's perspectives. And so we decided we need to go ahead and talk about this now because the church has at many times over the decades and over the years have, has sometimes been silent and sometimes we have just been negligent in the ways that we handle a conversation that affects so many. So last week, my, my friend uh, Troy Brand from Orchard Park Church was with us, and it was it was it was a tough it was a tough day. <laughs> it was a tough day. It was a tough day for many people, and I am so thankful for the uh, the love that you showed him and the care that you shared him, uh, both online and also with those that were here, our worship team that was here leading worship on that Sunday. Um, well, here's what I want you to know moving forward. So part of the conversation that you heard last week was actually very important. And it's, it's, I have learned over the past few years working in this area of reconciliation. And that is that as a white man, I very easily can live in a world devoid of what I want to see as racism. I can just go about my life. I can just do my thing. I can monitor what I want to monitor. I can watch the news that I want to watch. I can follow the people on Facebook that I want to follow. I, I can do that and just 
kind of go through life. And a lot of us do do that, and a lot of us don't. A lot of us are very engaged with this conversation. And so what we found over the, the last few years is there is a key to building relationships and being what the church is meant to be. And that is a group of people that love others, and not just that they love others, but they are leading on this ministry of reconciliation that Paul talks about in Romans, where he says, you have been reconciled with God, and now that you have been reconciled with God, you are to be a people who are about the reconciliation of others. He calls that the ministry of reconciliation. Now, he's talking specifically about relationships with God, and we want to reconcile people with God. But what we've seen over these last few weeks, especially as we look through the Beatitudes, is the reality that what we are called to do when we are called to be righteous is we ourselves are meant to be a people that reconciles people together. Because part of righteousness is not just doing right and it's not just being right. Part of righteousness is doing right by others. And Jesus, when he talked about this in Luke 4, he said, I have come for those that no one else comes for. (laughs) I have come for those that are oppressed and hurting, who are captive, who are blind, who are sick. That's who I've come for. And we discovered also in our study of the Beatitudes, the reality that the crowds that Jesus was teaching to were the people that no one else really wanted to talk to. They were the people that were the outcasts. They were the people that, that others looked at them and said, uh, don't, don't worry about them. They're sick. They're feeble. They don't have anything to offer or, or whatever. And Jesus said, those are the people I'm coming to. And that's who drew around him for the Sermon on the Mount as he began to teach the crowds. So for us as the church, one of the reasons that we're going through this is because it is a timely moment for the church to be the church and not just to be the church, but to, to uh, take the banner of what Christ wants to do, which is heal people and bring us together under his lordship and in his kingdom. So as we do this, the events that Scott mentioned that we took part in today, I'm really proud of the events that these pastors came together to do. And I'm really proud of them because uh, everyone is, for the most part, pretty tired. Everyone, for the most part, is still struggling uh, to deal with everything. But in all of this, what we are trying to do is to demonstrate to our culture, to our society, to our world, and to our city that what we are experiencing right now in the world around us is a need for us to show the love of Christ and to show what it looks like to follow Christ. And so I I am very excited for what uh, my brothers and sisters did on Tuesday night where we had a, a chance to wash each other's feet, to be able to talk about love and healing, not just about truth and justice, but what, what I've discovered is that without truth and without naming truth, the reconciliation doesn't come. And what I've learned over the last few years is if I'm not willing to listen to the pain of my brothers and sisters who look different from me, if I, I'm not willing to listen to what kind of made them in their lives and in their uh, family generationally, then it's hard for me to enter into a conversation that actually is, is healing. And yet my good friend Troy, as he shared with us last week, 
said, you know, the, the thing that we have to do is to recognize the pain that happens. We don't have to take responsibility if we have not inflicted that pain, but we need to recognize that. And in recognizing that pain, it gives us the opportunity to be agents of healing, which is what Christ has called us to be. So as we continue over these next series, here's what you're going to find is that each person that speaks is a different personality, is going to be speaking about a different side of this conversation. You're going to find different political affiliations and you're going to find uh, different ways of, of just talking about all of this. And the point is not that we all become the same. The point is that we can be unique and still love each other. In all of this, our goal and our hope is that we are sharing love to others. Now, I'm very excited uh, for a friend of mine who's going to be up here in just a couple of minutes. Um, before we do that, I want to pray with you, and I just want to say I hope you'll hang in with us throughout this conversation because this is an incredibly important conversation. Next week, we're going to be having another friend that's going to be with us. He is a retired police officer, and we want to just talk about policing and the gospel. What does it look like to love, and what sh how, how do we understand the events that we see, and what does it look like for us to engage within our community through, through the gospel and through love rather than through judgment or through hate? And so that's going to be an incredible time uh, with our friend Paul Lee, and then our friends from Kingdom Partners will be with us to, to wrap everything up in two weeks. That may be the week that we come back together live in the building. They're going to be with us, and we're going to be talking about how we can be different and unique, and yet we can still be united together. So let me pray with you, and then um, my friend is going to come and speak, and then if you would like to stay after the service, uh, then we'll ask him a few questions and let him answer a few questions as well. Let's pray. Father, God, I thank you for this moment that we can uh, just come and be your church. Father, you, you have never asked us to shy away from the difficult topics. In fact, you've told us to boldly go and to share truth in the midst of great brokenness so that healing can be found. And so, Father, I pray that in these next few minutes, this will be a moment of healing for us. This will be a moment uh, that where we can, can demonstrate the incredible power that the gospel has in those lives who have chosen to follow Christ. Father, I pray that you would lead us in these next few moments and that you would help us to love well. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, this is my good friend, Pastor Marcellus Bar uh, Bar Brand Barnes Brown. I, I'll all come up with all kinds of names for you. Pastor Marcellus Barnes and of Grace Point Church. He's a fellow church planner. How long has your church been? Just We just marked uh, four years. Four years. And uh, it's actually Oliver's um, pastor who is with us from uh, Kingdom Partners. And, um, and so I know you're going to be blessed by him. Listen, here's what you need to know about Marcellus. Uh, he is also a worship leader. And he already led worship this morning at another church and then has come over here to be with us. So I want to thank you for being with us, and I'm excited for your word. I'm going to turn it over to you and get out of All the right. way. Thank you so much, Pastor Mark. Um, you guys are blessed to have, I know you know this already, but you're blessed to have such a, a man after God's own heart, uh, very authentic, genuine. Um, but my joke to him, when I first seen him, you know, I thought he was uh, Tom Brady. Uh, so <laughs> I asked him the other day, why did he go to Tampa? Uh but that's a that's our little inside joke. Um, but uh, he's my brother from another mother, and I, I just thank you, Journey Church, for uh, being a part of this experience today. Uh, hope you stick with me. I'm gonna be uh, transparent, honest, but we're gonna come from the Word of God. 
and we're gonna we're gonna share that. So uh, if you would please go to John chapter four, a very familiar passage. John chapter four. I'll be reading the New King James version uh, in your hearing. So um, pray that you all are safe, uh, taking advantage of this Sabbath, if you will. Um, but can't wait for us to come together, our churches to worship together. But John <clears throat> chapter four, and uh, I'm, I'm going to read, start with verse uh, three, and and we're going to commence with verse three, and, and I'm just going to just read three and four, and we'll go a little bit deeper. It says, he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Watch this. But he needed to go through Samaria. I have to read that one more time. I love this. He left Judea and departed again to Galilee. But here's the conjunction. He needed to go through Samaria. <clears throat> if I had a subject in, around this piece with the, the gospel and race, <clears throat> I would use uh, the identity crisis. And and, and I want to say this in light of our climate. Um, I believe that when we get back to the foundation of it all, it clears up all of the things that are trying to distract us from what God has intended all along. Everybody knows Genesis 1:27 that God took one man, one man from dirt and made a deposit into this dirt called the Ruach, his breath. And that dirt became divine. That dirt was made after the image and the likeness of God. We all came from that same dirt. I know you don't think you're that dirty, but just keep taking some baths after a while. And every time you get out, I guarantee you it's going to be a ring around that tub. We are all from, now we're different shades of the dirt, but it's the same dirt. We are all God. Please don't, because as we get deeper in here, you're going to feel a little uncomfortable a little bit. It's okay, though. It's okay. I, but I want you to hear my heart. I know for a fact that God has made us after the image and likeness of God. And the identity crisis that we see in our world today, where did it begin? It began when Eve and Adam thought just maybe God cheated us on something. Maybe how he made us is it's not really enough. We're, we're missing something. He slighted us. Insecurity creeps in. You all know the story. She believed Satan. She took a bite of something that God told her not to take a bite of. Adam took a bite of something that he knew he shouldn't have took a bite of. Because of the insecurity of trusting that God made you good just the way you are. He made you the way you are. And let me, let me go ahead and say this too. He doesn't want us to change or try to be something else. We are his sheep. We are his children. He created us with the whatever color you are, whatever nose, mouth, lips, teeth, whatever shape. God made you wonderfully. You're beautifully and wonderfully made. 
This identity crisis began in Genesis, guys. Ever since this moment of insecurity, man, the fall of him, sin entered his heart. And you know the rest. Chaos. Cain kills Abel. You know, wickedness in the heart of man. And what we see today are manifestations of that wickedness. We see it when it comes to the history of America. When you talk about slavery and Jim Crow and convict leasing and redlining and all of these different things that have, have manifested itself in the culture, I want you to know that it wasn't the will of God, the perfect will of God for us to be divided or for us to oppress one another. That is not God's will. That's not God's will. Satan knew that. The greatest tool, if I can divide, I can conquer. So I'll make someone feel superior and the other inferior. Now, historically, there's a distrust because of these manifestations. There was a silence, a deafening silence from the evangelical church. When Plymouth Rock, they said uh, in the movie, we didn't land on Plymouth Rock. Plymouth Rock landed on us. <laughs> when you look at what happened in the beginning, there was an endorsement from those who knew better. There was a silence from those who knew better. You had, you had slaves on a ship crossing the Atlantic. On the bottom, they were praying, Lord, save us from slavery. And on the top of the ship, they were saying, God, thank you for our slaves. There was a divide. Now we see, historically, things are starting to surface. Things are beginning to come to fruition, and we see the chaos in the culture. I'm going to say this, and we're going to get into the text. I believe Pastor Troy, I'm sure, shared some of this but we can't heal without truth. We have to be honest. Some of the things that I, I find in my culture, people tell me I'm serving the white man's religion. Not because it's the white man's religion. We know it's not a white man's religion. It's, it's, it's the kingdom of God. We know that. But there has been, because of the heart of man, lies told. Like Jesus was a white European man. People found out he was actually a brown Palestinian Jew. These things cause distrust. It causes division. Not that it matters that he's black or white, but the truth wasn't told. If he was green, we should have said he was green. So we have to tell truth. We have to speak truth. And as we embrace it for what it is, that there is a division. It doesn't have to stop there. And I'm going to show you. In John chapter 4, whoo, Jesus did something that no other Jew was willing to do. Somebody's asking the question, what do we do? Okay, we know it's the truth. We know it was slavery. We know we're divided. We know we have all this stuff going on. Let's stop becoming cultural Christians and become biblical Christians. Let's stop 
thinking that God is riding on the back of donkeys and elephants. He's not. He's standing on the word of God, his word. And, and I believe that his word is the solution to all of this. And we're going to see this in the text. We're going to see this. That is everybody else and God. And everybody else is wrong. Jesus shows us that everybody else is wrong because he went against the grain in John chapter 4. The Bible says he left Judea and departed again to Galilee. Now, we need to understand he could have went many ways to Galilee. He didn't have to go through Samaria. He did not have to go that route. But God is intentional. And if there's a word that I want you to focus on today for the few minutes I have with you is be intentional. When you say, Pastor Marcellus, what do we do? Be intentional. Jesus is showing us that he was intentional by, watch this first point, he, he was willing to reach out. He's intentional in reaching out. Look at what he does. He needed to go through Samaria. Why is that significant? For over 700 years, there was a division, a racist war, a racist divide, if you will, between Samaritans and the Jews. Both of them are from the same family, but because one had a little bit more melanin <laughs> mixed with something else, Assyrian blood, he wasn't pure. And so you are inferior, we're superior. Now watch this. These are the religious people. These are the leaders of the church. Salvation began with the Jews. Jesus, a Jew, left Judea and went to Samaria. No other Jew was willing to do that. Let me ask you a question. Are you willing to be intentional in reaching out? Are you willing? Because this is not going to happen from the top down. It's going to happen grassroots. It's going to happen in a space to where we as believers... Black believers, white believers, yellow believers, brown believers. We as the people of God will be intentional in reaching out. Now, I'm going to I'm going to encourage. Watch this. I'm going to encourage my white brothers and sisters to be even more intentional. And let me tell you why. Because people that look like me have always wanted to be accepted in your culture. We try to assimilate. We've tried to be articulate, and we get talked about on this side for trying to talk white, and then over here, we're still not good enough. We change our names from Jamal to John so we can get a job. We're, we've tried to assimilate, but now it's in a, in a place to where people have begun to become dis in despair and angry and even violent, but that's not the people of God. Even though it hurts me the same way it hurts my brothers that are not believers, I have a relationship with Christ. So I understand. I'm seeing it through a different lens. But I'm still going to encourage my believers, my white brothers and sisters that are believers, to be intentional and, and at least understanding, even if you don't agree with what's going on, at least understand the history. Understand that it's going to take the body of Christ, those of you who know Jesus to model him in this verse to where he was willing to go where no other Jew was willing to go. He was willing to break down a wall that had been there for over 700 years. He was willing, despite what others would think of him, 
He didn't care about how they felt. It said he felt the need to go to Samaria. He didn't wait for it to become politically correct. He was willing to reach out to a Samaritan. Now you need to understand, being in Samaria as a Jew was huge. It was huge, but that wasn't enough. He began to reach out by leaving his comfort zone and going to an uncomfortable space. But then after he reaches out, look at what he does. He begins to reach in. Ooh, I like this. I like this. Verse 7. Look at verse 7 of John chapter 4. It says, a woman of Samaria came to draw water. I almost feel embarrassed teaching this to you because I know you know it, but I just want you to kind of go with me. Jesus said, Jesus said to her, what? Not only does he reach out to go to this place, but he's going to push a little further and he begins to talk a Jew to a Samaritan. It said Jesus was intentional. He went first. People are, who's going to go first? You go first. <laughs> Stop crying out who's, who needs to reach out first. I believe the most mature person will do it first. I believe the person who really wants reconciliation, who really wants the, the love of God to be expressed will go for it. Aren't you glad that while we were yet in sin, he died? He didn't wait for us to get right or to start running after him. I know we sing that song, I'm chasing after. You are not always chasing after God. I'm so glad he didn't wait for me to be, to be accepted by others before he reached out to me. The Bible says he reached out, but then he's reaching in because verse 7, it says he's trying to go deeper. He's trying to build, watch this, a relationship. This is the reaching in. He begins to talk. He says, woman, he says, give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away to the city to buy food. Verse 9, then the woman, watch this, of Samaria said to him, how is it that you, being a Jew, don't miss this. Ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman. For Jews have no dealings with black folk. I'm sorry. I mean with Samaritans. Y'all going to catch that later. <laughs> Jews have no deal. We're not supposed to be. You're, yo, what, what are you doing with sitting with those white folk? What you doing sitting with those black folks? You know we ain't us as ain't supposed to be dealing with each other. But Jesus said otherwise. <laughs> Jesus sat by the well and he knew he's sovereign. He's omniscient. He knew she would be there at that hour. He knew and he was intentional. I told you and wanting to reach in. He begins to break the tradition, break the curse. He's breaking it by say, even speaking to this Samaritan woman. It wasn't because she was just a woman. He speaks to Mary, Magdalene, and all these, Martha. He sp spoke to women before. It wasn't the fact that she was a what? She was a Samaritan, a black. I mean, she was a Samaritan. And he begins to want to build a relationship, conversation. He didn't start off trying to tell her, are you, do you, are, are you saved? Do you go to church? No, he said, can I have something to drink? I'm going to put my Jewish lips on your Samaritan cup. 
I'm helping somebody. I can feel you right there coming through. I can feel somebody right there. Listen, y'all, don't miss this. Don't read it too fast. This man put his black Palestinian Jewish lips on this Samaritan's cup. Now, you need to understand, they were not supposed to have any dealings with one another. But this is what I love about how he reached in. Notice she said, you're a Jew. He didn't say, I'm a Jew. He never once said he was a Jew. But it was something about his identity, maybe it was the way he spoke, that she knew he was a Jew. But this is what I love. Jesus didn't try to assimilate to Samaritan culture to reach in. He stayed who he was. He was a Jew. I'm going to help somebody because some of us are missing it because we're trying to act a certain way. We're trying to assimilate us to a certain culture to try to. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. Maybe I need to listen to hip hop music. No. No, you don't. And I'm not going to listen to country or western. I'm just not. I'm sorry. But it's okay. It's okay. You can still reach in without losing the identity that God gave you. He made you the way you are, and you ought to be proud of it. And it's okay because at the beginning, we all came from the same what? Dirt. But somewhere the enemy has tried to divide us, and, it, and we say stuff like this. We're not, we're not supposed to have dealings with one another. Jesus says, no. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. And I'm going to start off. By doing something that no one else was willing to do. I'm going to start off by trying to build a relationship with someone that, that doesn't look like me, that doesn't think like me, that doesn't live where I live, that doesn't worship where I worship. I'm going to build a relationship with someone that other people like me said I shouldn't do it. And this comes from both sides. We have to be willing to be intentional in reaching out. And Jesus says, then don't just reach out. Just don't show up. But reach in, go deeper. He says, she says, you're a Jew. You're not supposed to be dealing with me. Hmm. The Bible says in verse 27, if you drop down, the disciples show up. The other church folk. The other religious leaders. Y'all, excuse my bonus, I just got to just kind of shoot straight from the hip if it's okay. Verse 27 says, he started looking at Jesus strange. What is he doing? Talking to that woman. Now you need to understand, it says, at this point his disciples came and they marveled. Marveled. They were kind of messed up. Whoa. That he, that he talked with a woman. Now, they didn't have the nerve to say a Samaritan woman because Jesus has talked to women before. It wasn't the fact that she was just a woman. Don't miss that. It's because she was a Samaritan woman. But are you willing to be seen as strange from your peers? Are you are you willing to, 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 to be seen strange while reaching in? Going that extra mile. Build and be a repairer of the breach. Now, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to give you this last little point, and I'm, I'm going to let Pastor Mark come, and um, we're going to go a little deeper, have an interview. If you guys want to do that, ask questions. 
but I want to just give you this little Easter speech real quick. As he reaches out, he reaches in. But look, 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 look at what it was really. Verse 28, it says, the woman then left her water pot. Of course, we know the Bible talks about how he reaches in. He begins to go spiritual and talk about her spiritual walk and how she had five husbands. You know, all, you know, Jesus get up in your stuff, won't he? He'll, he'll go deep, you know, because, because again, he was trying to get to her heart. He could care less that she was a Samaritan. He could care less where she worshiped. And it's funny because when he started talking about go get your husband, she was like, I, I don't have a husband. He's like, you told the truth. I told you stars the truth. You told the truth. Good job. You don't. All right. You have five. <laughs> and then she tries to come back to the surface and say, you're a good prophet. Oh, you're a prophet. You're a prophet. No, I'm not talking about me being a good preacher right now. I want to talk about why are you looking for significance in the wrong places? So he, he he was going a little deeper. We don't have time to go that deep right now. But he starts talking about where she was spiritually. But it started off with a drink of water. Some of us try to go too fast too soon and to some of the deep. Just take your time. Just try to be intentional and in trying to be authentically you while reaching out and reaching in to your brothers and sisters that the enemy has tried to cause a divide. But this is what it was really all about, my brothers and sisters. Because when you reach one, look at what God says. My goal is to not just reach the one, but to he start reaching others. Look at this. Verse 28 said, the woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come see a man who told me all things that I ever did. Could this be the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came to him. Look at that. The men left where they were and went to where Jesus was. Now you need to understand something. Verse 31 says, in the meantime, his disciples urged him saying, hey man, you need to eat. Look at what they're focusing on. Verse 32, but he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. Look at where our significance should come from as believers. He says, he says, uh, 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 therefore, the disciples said to one another, has anyone, somebody bring him a sandwich or something that when we wasn't looking? Did he eat already? What is he talking about? I have food that you don't know about. What is he talking about? Verse 34, Jesus said to them, watch this. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. He didn't say my will is to do what a Republican says or a Democrat. He didn't say my will is to do what the culture says. My will is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. See, if it was up to them, Jesus would have never gone to Samaria. If it was up to them, he would have never saved a city. After 700 years, he broke it, the barrier. What am I saying? God wants to us for us to reach out. He wants us to reach in so that we can reach others. He wants us to do the will of our Father, the will of our Father, and, and the food that we get. Watch this, the substance and fulfillment we get in doing the will of God. 
there's something, something happens as far as transformation when it comes to us being the hands and feet of Jesus. When we begin to reach out and reach in so that we can reach others, we realize that God had intended for this all along. It was his will for us to be together. The Bible says, and I'm, and I'm closing here, verse 35, do you not say there are still four months and then comes the harvest? Look at what Jesus says. Behold, I say to you, open your eyes. Look up. He says, and look at the fields, for they are already white for harvest. The harvest is there for us, y'all. They're looking for the church to be the church. They're looking for us to stand up and to be what God has called us to be, to walk in his image and his likeness as one. I didn't say the same. I said as one. Why didn't I say us being the same? It's because being the same and being one are two different things. God didn't want us all to be the same. He wants us to be one in purpose, one in pursuing the will of our Father, and that is to go after the harvest that's ready for us. For us, how do we go out? We're intentional in going to places that no other person is willing to go. God was never for division. He was never for racism. He was never for discrimination and things of that nature. We are one race. We are. And I want you to hear this quick analogy as I wrap this up here. I bought a vacuum cleaner, and my wife wanted me to get it put together. And the instructions, you know, as us men, we figure I look at the box and I can just do it myself. I, I can just... I can look I can look at the box. I'll be all right. I, I don't want to follow, watch this, the instructions. And that's a whole nother sermon. But we're not going to talk about that following instructions. All right, it's Father's Day. Happy Father's Day. Uh, but I noticed the instructions told me to assemble the parts. Hmm. Hebrews 10.25 says, do not forsake the assembly. So I love words. Begin to think about this thing. So, assembly? Okay, assemble, assembly? What is that? Don't forsake the assembly. Notice it didn't say don't forsake the gathering. It says don't forsake the assembly. Because there's a difference. Before I assembled the parts, they were just gathered in a box. Watch this. Separate it, divide it in a box. Different shades. There was dark gray, light gray. There were some clear parts. There were some big parts. There were some small parts. There was brushes over here and long handles over here. All of these different parts. They were not the same, but they were intended to assemble to accomplish one purpose, and that's to get the dirt off my wife's car. Different parts assembled to accomplish one goal. What am I saying to you? If we become intentional in reaching out to our brothers and sisters, 
reaching in for relationship so that we can manifest and reach others for the kingdom of God, I believe that our nation will begin to heal and we will begin to assemble as the body of Christ in different colors, different shades, different backgrounds, different ideology, but we'll find that common goal, which is Christ Jesus, as we assemble to clean up the dirt. I love you guys. I pray that this was a blessing to you. And uh, thank you for allowing me to share. God bless you. Pastor, you can stay right there. I can stay right here. We're going to come around you. Sounds good. That was, that was incredible. It was way too short. Oh, man, I thought it was too long. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure people in our church are thinking that you should stay here every week. Well, my, uh, my, my dad said don't make them happy twice. Happy to see you come and happy to see you go. <laughs> so, you know, there's a, there's a reason people don't ask pastors to come preach at their church, and that's because they don't want to look uh inferior and i know that you said we're not about being inferior or superior but man that was that was powerful that was good hey we're glad you're here with us today i hope i get to come back absolutely so if you're online you should just know that the worship team in the room is going berserk in here so i don't know what that means but uh yeah um ah, there's so many i took so many notes there's so many good things for us to talk about but tell us a little bit about tell us a little about your church, your family. Tell yes. us a little about yourself. Sure. So I'm I'm originally don't hold it against me. I'm a Hoosier. I'm from Indiana. Uh, yes. Are you serious? Indiana. Woo. I'm from Evansville, Indiana. <laughs> All right. Hey, hey, just tell us you're not a Notre Dame fan, are you? No, I'm not. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so I'm a Colts fan, actually. Yeah, we, we beat that's a, you. That's all right. That's all right because, because you know, yeah, we're, we're okay with the Colts. Okay. We got we got the connection to the Mannings. Yeah. So, so I grew up I grew up South Side, Evansville, Indiana, um, and um, I I'm the youngest of seven. I have three older brothers and, and three older sisters. Um, um, actually, I'm 38. Uh, be 39 this year. I have a wife, 17 years. Danita, she's from Fort Wayne, Indiana. Uh, we have three children. Justine is 19. She's a freshman. She'll be a sophomore. I can't believe it. In August, uh, she made the dean's list at Austin P University, uh, and we actually live next door to Austin P's great great nephew. Really? Yeah, he's like 80 years old. So it's it's so cool to, to live next door to him. Um, I told him if we struggle with tuition, we know who to call. Yeah, right. Uh, and so um, shout out to Mr. Deaton. Uh, <laughs> uh, and and so we have two boys. Marcellus Jr. is a uh, 14. Um, he'll be a freshman this year. Uh, went to uh, Macaulay, got accepted there. And uh, Kenny is nine. Yeah, he has school was hit by the tornado East Brainerd Elementary. Uh, but uh, he's looking forward to going to the new East Hampton Middle School for a little while. And so we, uh, to be honest with you, uh, I served in worship, uh, man, since I was, I played piano by, by rote since I was 12. Um, just start playing it by ear and thought everybody could do it. God saw fit for me to eventually be raised in a faith-based community, and God blessed me through all my challenges growing up to find my outlet through music. And I went to school for music education, uh, Indiana University program, and transferred to UTC. I finished there finally uh, in education, and I start teaching uh, 
for Hamilton County. Still with them to this day. Wow, worship pastor. And for 11 years in Chattanooga, after 11 years of being here, I, the church decided to go a different direction. But God laid it on my heart uh, to start Grace Point Church. And um didn't know exactly how to start a church. I didn't know anything, just me and my wife and oh, my kids. Yeah. And we and gave yeah. some expert advice on what not to do. We so were much better asked. church planners before we planted a church. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what to do, what to how to go about it. I God saw fit for me to go to Nagoya, Japan for two weeks with a, a church uh back in Indiana. And while there, you know, um I was had so many different emotions going on from my purpose and what God was calling me to do. I had a huge burden for the inner city. Uh, grew up inner city kid. And while teaching at Orchard Knob and seeing the the, the, um, the culture, I was like, God, what do I do? So I started my, my nonprofit through music. I was doing some music stuff. And God was like, eh, I want you to go this route with it. And I was like, I don't know how to do church. I'm not pastor. I mean, mm-hmm. really? Mm-hmm. And uh, after coming back from Japan and seeing um, that God wants us to not just be economically strong, but spiritually empowered through his word. Because uh, when I went to Japan, I saw how well they were doing. I mean, they're like 90% middle class. No one's been shot in like 30 years because they don't make guns. Um, no one had an identity crisis as far as their culture and their history. Everything was Japanese. Um, and so while there... I was with the missionaries, and it was four whites, and I was only black, and they were weeping at the, the, the temple, the Buddhist temple, and they were weeping, and I was I was there, and I was trying to cry like them, you know? I was trying to think of Jesus on the cross or something, like, you know, think of something bad that happened to me that God rescued me from. Like, I, I just, I tried. I prayed, but I, they were wailing. We got back to the mission's house, and they were like, so what did you think of the experience? I was like, you know, I almost questioned whether I was saved because I was like I did I wasn't mm-hmm. moved like you guys mm-hmm. were, mm-hmm. and we start talking and 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 it hit me that historically, you know, um, there's no there's no history there in in Japan mm-hmm. when, with it with with the, the church that I was with, uh, but to come back home to do that, we would have to have some conversation and mm-hmm. kind of be a little like, intentional like Jesus Christ was in this text. And I don't think they were willing to do that at the time. Mm. They told me that maybe God brought you here so you could go back and do do this back home. And I said, but you started a church in Nagoya. You guys are from my city. Why can't we start one on the south side where I grew up? And I'll teach you Ebonics like they taught you Japanese. Mm-hmm. And I'll be your ambassador in the hood mm-hmm. like he's your ambassador in Nagoya. And we can work together. And it was just a disconnect. Mm-hmm. And 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 as as I begin to pray about it, Pastor Mark, and I'll, I'll, I'll shut up here. God told me, now, I know you want to see your people empowered. Malcolm X wanted us to be empowered economically. Mm-hmm. But if you go back with just economics, you're going to have a black Japan. And that's not, that wasn't it for me. So God just put that on my heart to begin to not just address the practical, but the spiritual. And so here we are four years in, and God has blessed us to reach so many people in, in the community, and to also reach out cross-culturally, man, and, and yeah. just work together. So that's yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's exciting. And we, I've had the opportunity to watch some of your services. Of course, they're online right now as well. I don't, do you know when you all are planning to meet we're, again? We're, we're looking at uh, the first Sunday in August. Yeah. We're going to be at Hardy Elementary School. 
So, so not only is Grace Point going through what every other church is going through, they're also going through a move through all of this yes. and are moving to um, Hardy Elementary and are going to start meeting there. That you were at another church, correct? Uh, sharing a building, so that's that's a lot of change. Yeah. And by, as you, I'm sure, had just picked up on, is bivocational. Um, and his worship leading, I and, and you know, and I, I want, I've got some things I want to ask you. So I don't want to, I don't want to. You know, talk about too many other things, but like you're not you're not just a guy who leads worship. Like you've led large choirs around our city, and mm-hmm. all over the city. And I, t- tell us a little bit about the, some of the the way that you've used worship, uh, just to connect churches, but also ways that we we are looking to connect just in the area of reconciliation. Tell tell us a bit about the kind of the bigger picture, some of the worship stuff you do. Absolutely. Um, and coming here again, I, I started off as a worship pastor for a local church. And I believe at the time I came here in 2004 and they had something called worship Chattanooga that was going on. Uh, and I wasn't familiar with it. Uh, I, I was uh, coming here and I, I'm a big advocate for education and hit black history and our culture. I think there's an identity crisis cult- culturally as far as our people are concerned. Mm-hmm. We can't go past our grandfathers. Some people can't, you know, can only go so far. Some people only know Martin Luther King. So I decided to do a black history concert around educating our community, bringing some content to, to make it a worship experience, but also educational. Mm-hmm. And so we began to do big concerts with just uh, the uh, choirs uh, in the black community. And we had uh, about 19 churches come together. Well, I got a call about Worship Chattanooga, and, and, and they said we wanted to be Worship Chattanooga because uh, Chattanooga's just not white. And because it was like worship white people at the time, it's like, we want worship Chattanooga. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. we know you have a choir, about 100 strong, and we want to see if we can come together. I was like, when? They was like, uh, I think they said February. I was like, can, can we keep just at least that one just for us? Because we want to keep focusing on some of the heritage stuff. But we said, we would love to do that. And so they asked me to come and bring these two choirs together and when I tell you it was over 200 and some odd people, black, white, Hispanic, different denominations, it was probably about 43 area churches. We had to go to the Abba's house. We out through the churches uh, locally in our community where we had to go mm-hmm. to to the, the larger facility. And the Lord blessed us, man, to be able, people were building relationships in the rehearsals. and Some mm-hmm. of them mm-hmm. began to go beyond just the music and the singing. And they were very intentional. And yeah, so to this yeah. day, yeah, a lot of healthy relationships. Well, I love that you said that. You you, you be the first person to go. You make that, whether it be talking about Worship Chattanooga or whether it be talking about, you know, relationships between pastors or relationships at work, yeah. relationships in the community. We, we can just choose to go and make that happen. Right. I love that you That's shared right. that. I wanted to ask you about something. I, I So we've been trying to talk through this as well in the context of the the purpose is not to necessarily be colorblind or to assimilate to the degree that we are indistinguishable from each other but yet God has created us with uniqueness and Pastor Brand last week shared with us one thing that we as white people may not understand depending on our experiences is the idea of collectivism within the black community. 
in which if something happens to one, the entire community feels it. Within within white community, I, we can. I, I don't know if anybody can be as individualistic as we can. Like I, if I can. It didn't I can. To me, it didn't happen. That's right. I, I, I can completely I ignore. Just, I've just learned that about y- your culture. Yeah, yeah. I just. I never thought about that. Yeah. That's huge. How do you, can you can you help us to see and maybe just elaborate a little more on what you shared about the fact that we are not called to be the same. There is uniqueness, beautiful uniqueness God has created within us to be diverse. And yet, what would you say to us about the difference of that collectivism mindset versus a very individual, well, vigilistic idea? Absolutely. Well, I, I always look at it this way. We are the body of Christ. God refers to uh, the body of Christ. He talks about the anatomy. Uh, Paul talks about the the legs, the arms, the nose, and don't say this and discriminate this part. We all are many members, but one body. Mm. And the only time you see a body part, apart from a body, uh, and it's functioning is in horror movies. All right? So that's not real, right? Right, it's right. not inten- Body parts are not intended to be detached from the body. Mm-hmm. And so what happens when you become individualistic in your approach, uh, you're handicapping the body. Because we are different parts, but we are supposed to work together mm-hmm. for one purpose. Um, I, I, I think that as a people, culturally, not just biblically, but culturally as African Americans, you know, we were always put in the same boat, right? You were black, right? Didn't matter what job you had, it didn't matter how well you spoke or how, how well you didn't speak, if you didn't speak well at all. If you were black, this is this was it. Mm-hmm. So we were almost not only we were already tribal, but it, it made it even more intense coming here because we had to be in the same place and we we were together, you know. Mm-hmm. But 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 I, I will say this too. Um I, I really believe, Pastor Mark, when you think about uh community with, with black people, when when we love, we we, we love. Right. If you look historically, when the master was sick, the slave would say, we sick, master. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. We sick. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, that there was there's always this 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 thing with community when it comes to the, to the African uh, uh, experience. And so I, I think that you're right. We, we have to. Look at it through the lens of, of the word. We are the body. That's right. We have to function that way. That's right. That's good. That's good. That's good. We have to. Yeah. Well, we got some comments on Facebook. If you guys want to look there, uh, Marcellus, they're all complimentary of you. So. Uh oh. Yeah. And asking you to come back next week uh, and the week after. Yeah, and the week Rick, after that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah that how it's going? Uh, I, I maybe can believe we should it. think about some sort of regular visitation of pastors between black and white churches once the virus is over. And I would be willing to visit another church on a regular basis. Uh, talking about being intentional. Th- that. That's awesome. You know, and one of the things that that I'm seeing as a continuing thread here, Mark, is I don't think anybody wants us on stage anymore. (laughs) I think they're very happy with our guests. That's a subtle thread. There's a subtle thread there. We're done with Uh, Mark and Scott. Yeah, there's there's members of the worship team that are not being quite as subtle about that this morning. But, uh, you know, know, I'll take this opportunity. We'll update our board today, Marshall. This is our our shame board of how many weeks we've had to do this online instead of meeting together. This is week number 15. 
Let's pray that I only may have to make one more mark on this. Amen to that. Come back in July, and I don't have to do that anymore. Because there's been a lot of discussion this week, Marcellus, amongst us as pastors, about how well we were doing in the Kingdom Partners thing. We were getting together, man. We were able to meet when we could. I know I'm like you. I'm bivocational, so sometimes I couldn't make all the meetings. Mm -hmm. But we were getting together, and then COVID just took a break on everything we were doing, our joint worship service we wanted to have. And so, you know, we're trying to get back into this. But one one of the things I would like to ask you as a question is we often hear the um, term that Sunday's the most divided day of the week among Mm. blacks and whites especially. And they kind of do that as a slam on their church. But I caught throughout the thread in your message about being one and not the same. Right. How much of the separation between the black and white community in worship do you think is due to black and white separation versus how much of it is just difference in worship styles and preferences? Being a worship leader, I think you can really address that. Absolutely. I I think one of the the biggest, uh, you, you know, the Bible says love casts out all fear. It doesn't say love casts out hate. Mm, uh, mm, mm-hmm. The opposite of love is not hate, it's fear. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And a lot of times we struggle with, with, with loving because we don't understand right. each other. And so we fear what we don't understand. Mm-hmm. And it causes a divide. Um, I think that <clears throat> when um, <laughs> we talk about love, we need to not look at that as agreement Right, sameness. Right, because right. love doesn't mean I agree with you, right? right? I can love you and not agree with you. That's right. And just that's because right. I don't agree with you doesn't mean I don't oh, love you. Oh, that's good. That, that's right. And now, 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 this is Father's Day. Wives, he doesn't mean that with wives. That, <laughs> there are exclusions to this. I love you, baby. This, yeah. I love you. <laughs> Honey, I love you. Yeah, yeah. I don't want you to ruin our Father's Day. Right, okay? so go ahead. I appreciate this, guy. <laughs> I'm going to bail you, you out there Thank before you got in trouble. Thank you, man. <laughs> and, and so I, I, I think that what what happens we have to be okay with not liking while loving yeah yes, okay absolutely. uh you know uh john said he saw every nation okay if you're white now you're going to be white then mm. if you're brown now you'll be brown then he saw every nation we're not meant to it's actually an insult to god Mm-hmm. To be able to say you have to act like me, think like me, and you know, be my skin color, bleach your skin. I'm, Michael Jackson did it. I'm not doing it. Yeah, I'm not yeah, doing yeah. it. You yeah. know, I I think that's an insult to God, and it's 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 it, it does something to us to where uh, we believe that we it's it's not okay to be unique. It's okay. You know, and isn't it interesting <clears throat> that we're made in God's image, but we're all different? Yeah. That, that's the cool part about that. Well, that's one of those things like trying to explain the Trinity. I don't know how that works, right. man, but just like you said, there's some difference in us. It's, we're seen as different nations, different right. colors, different races, well, but yet we're still in God's image, and it's that internal image I well, think he's well, talking look, about. Look at I'm in music. I know this may sound kind of weird, but my musicians will understand this. You have, when we talk about harmony, you can't have harmony without dissonance. Mm-hmm. That, there you go. Harmony, if, if you don't have dissonance, it's unison. Unison is the same. Yeah. Unison is cool sometimes, but after a while it's boring. Sometimes I want harmony, but I can't have harmony if I'm playing the same note. I have to have different notes played simultaneously to create harmony. And they're ironically black keys and white keys. <laughs> and so I have to p- pl- play them together yeah, to yeah. create harmony, man. So yeah, yeah. God is has a sense of humor. Yeah. 
Yeah, in Harmony, Mark and I can add our own special brand of dissonance when singing. Yeah, so I don't think the kind of dissonance I don't think that's we bring is what about. he's talking about. Yeah, I don't about. think that's a very different <laughs> but, uh, thing. But, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Yeah. Um, so you said something I thought was, was really powerful and it reminded me of something. You were talking about Jesus putting his Jewish lips on a Samaritan woman's cup. And it reminded me uh, of what's been in the news lately as well. Mr. Rogers has... Uh, been heralded for lots of things he did to bring healing mm. to culture and society. Yeah. And I, there was there was one you may have seen where Officer Clemens was a black yes. police officer, and at the time there was a rumor going around that as if a white person were to accidentally touch something that a black person touched, they would get infected. Wow. Why we? That's why we had separate. That's one of the reasons we had separate bathrooms and things like that. Separate water fountains. And yeah. I, do you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. What Mr. Rogers did? I haven't. I haven't got so. Seen. So he he brings a little kiddie pool on his show, fills it with water, and he and Officer Clemens both put their bare feet in there. Wow. Did not one time really talk about what what they were doing, but yet the message powerful. was powerful. Wow. In that we choosing to love someone means that we go to them no matter what, right. and I, I I just we have we spent several weeks in Genesis talking about the image of God and how He has done that uh, created us to be unique and yet collectively uh, one body just as you have mentioned and all made in the image of God. Right. I just thought that was a powerful statement. I hadn't really considered. Uh, him actually drinking from her cup and what that would have looked like to others. How how can we, maybe this is a, a, a more of a question rather than a statement, how, how can we show love to those of a different race that we don't know, that may even be skeptical of us? Could you maybe give us some insight on some first steps to, let's say someone wants, they're, they're all in, they want to go out and they... Uh, maybe all their friends are just like them. Either they're all white or they're all black or they're all Latino or whatever. What are, what would you say are some good steps to just demonstrate that you want to love somebody who's different from you? You know, that's a very good question. Um, I think we've made this thing so – it's so simple we've made it hard. Mm. I, I think we've made it really uh, more complex than what it really is. Yeah. Um, when when um when I when I think about that intentional piece, uh, Pastor Mark, um, I think it starts with um, one relationship at a time. The, the text says Jesus told them to lift their eyes. He said, "Look up." Okay, there they are. The harvest is there. Yeah. And I, I think that when our leadership comes together, because I think that's where it starts. Mm-hmm. Leadership. We okay. have to model it, right? We, if we begin to do what's happening like right now, mm-hmm. for me to be able to be here as your brother, and we be able to speak the gospel, and then watch this, we do ministry together. Mm-hmm. We both find someone that doesn't have as much as we have. They're not where we are, and we are serving and doing something for someone that can't do anything for us. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. that when we begin to find those moments uh, of for, for people that we don't just give charity to, because there's a difference between charity and love. Yeah. 
charity will address some of the symptoms, but love goes to the thing that causes the symptoms. Like you, you go a little deeper with love and you're able to, but it starts, I believe, one conversation at a time, a cup of coffee, uh, to be able to adopt uh, um, a part of a community to where you see the need and you're moved with compassion like Jesus was. Uh, I think that as we model that as leaders, it will begin to sprinkle down our domino effect to our lay people, mm -hmm. and then they will begin to do the same thing with each other. I, I think it has to start with the church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And I think it's important, Marcel. It's one of the things you said uh, in your teaching was not to come in and try and to be like that community. I don't know if you've noticed. I'm an old white guy. You know, <laughs> I'm not going to fit in in some communities. I'm not. My culture is going to be very different. And that was one of the things I noticed in our, uh, even in our comments on our town hall meeting. Some of the, some of the comments were negative of, you white people just want to come in and change our culture. And that's, and I could see that could be offensive to someone. And we don't think about that. We don't think about, you know, as Christians, I think we have done that as missionaries at times. We've come into cultures and instead of just sharing Jesus. We've pushed our culture on foreign lands and things. So I think it's kind of a similar thing that we've got to we've got to get that friendship bridge first. Yeah. And, and people know we love you and we're well, friends and we're going to do these things together. But I'm not coming in to change who you are. And that and, and I think that's where it, it happens. You you just said something. When Jesus decided to go, we have to remember the Jews would, would have never been for him going where he went. Absolutely. And then some of the Samaritans asked the woman said, Why are you here? We don't have any dealings with each other. Yeah. What you doing here, white man? You ain't supposed to be trying to make us Jewish. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. You have you have dissonance right there. And it all came from, I believe, a divide that was never meant to happen. You know, but but I think that Jesus was was wasn't as concerned about what the Jews thought or even the Samaritans that probably questioned his presence. He was intentional in wanting to build a relationship with an individual that was not like him. Me and Pastor Mark, we started off going to a, a, a place to where we were able to break bread. We prayed with one another. We kind of shared stories. We've built on that the past three years. Absolutely. So I, when I, the first week I met him, I don't think he would have been cool with me just popping in at, at his church. I think that it, it should have taken some time to build that relationship and that trust. And, we, and we've tried to explain that to, to people that maybe aren't in our normal audience because there are people watching here that don't know who you are, who we are even. And we didn't come at this as, oh, man, there's a crisis in the community. We need to invite some random black people to our church to speak. And that's not what it's about, man. Right. We consider you a friend. We've, mm -hmm. we've talked. Like I said, we've broke bread together. We've done these things with not just you but other pastors in, in, the, in the community. And that's what we're trying to achieve is is to get that common ground. And, and the biggest common thing between us all is our love for Jesus. Yeah. Right. And, and we need to be sharing that in our communities and spreading that forth. And sometimes there's barriers that get in the way there. And, and I will say to you, those of you who are watching, first let me say this. Don't try to run out and find a black friend today. <laughs> that, that's not what we're saying. i got to go find a black person to be their friend today. Yeah. I, I think that one thing that we could do as we organically find these relationships through serving and ministry, because God will send you, he'll show you the harvest. Uh, I, I think that one thing you we could do is address our peers whenever there's some things said like, you know, why, why do we have to come together? Or, you know, uh, when they're kind of divisive, if you will, 
because we know God said preserve the spirit of, of unity. So he wants us together. So whenever you have peers that may, you know, use racist racial slurs or hold them accountable to those types of things, that's another way to kind of help us uh, build the relationships by addressing and correcting. And I'm going to tell you the reason why I say that when, when, when uh, Peter was sitting with the, the, the Gentiles, when the other Jews showed up in Galatians two, he moved away from the Gentiles and started sitting with the Jews. And Paul addressed Peter and said, why did you move? What are you doing? You shouldn't have done that. We're, we're trying to be intentional. We're reaching uh, 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 the Gentiles and Peter was rebuked. That same chapter talks about it's no longer I that live, but Christ lives in me. We all know that scripture, but that scripture came from a story where there was racism and discrimination. So we have to be intentional with wanting to sit and wanting to share and wanting to listen, Mm -hmm. not listen to correct, but listen to hear when you come to these spaces, because you're going to have people that, that are not as spiritual as I am. (laughs) <laughs> that 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 may begin to talk about a lot of the atrocities, and they may talk about why did we make Jesus white, and 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 why is Santa Claus white, and he's Turkish, and you're going to have all these different history lessons that are going to come at you about the lies that the enemy has told, and that historically we've endorsed as a church, but that's not you, and that's not me. We're standing on what God's word says, and God's word shows us that even though it was 700 years of divide. Jesus was intentional. That's right. That's right. I, I would just echo that. And the, uh, yeah, don't don't go find a token person to so you can put a, take a selfie with, right, and put it on Facebook. And it's not a publicity opportunity. And the reality is, when these events happen in our culture, they are not likely to affect the white community in the same way that they affect the black community. Right. However, what I have also learned through this process of building relationships is, while I on on some level can say that is wrong, I feel it more deeply when I see my friends are hurting from it more than my black friends are hurting from it more than my white friends are. So once my friends are hurting, that I hurt just like we all do. When our friends hurt, we hurt. And so it by building those relationships, it changes your perspective on the events that you're seeing when it is easy for a more individualistic culture to just say, well, that's not me and that's not anybody I know. And I didn't do those things. So I just, I don't, I ignore that. But when you have real relationships and friendships with people that collectively is hurting because of it, then you begin to hurt and it changes the way you deal with it. But there, and I would also say what I have found is you have been very welcoming to me as a friend. And many of our group and many that were a part of these events that we did this week have been very welcoming. That is not always the case. That's true. So, so, so sometimes it goes both, side, goes that, it goes both ways. That's right. It, but um, um, whether you're white or black or brown or or whatever, there are some people who are more open to relationships than others. That and and so if you if you find that you're around someone who is not open to a relationship. Maybe you just need to try to build a relationship with someone else. And that's, I, I love what you said. Sometimes we make this harder than it has to be because that's what we do in every other sphere of life. When we start labeling, well, this is going to be my relationship to handle racism. No, that is not actually all that helpful because it comes across as very disingenuous. Right. But when I just am going to choose to get to know you 
and build a relationship with you. And we're going to be friends and we're going to hang out. And uh, I'm a little hurt that you're not going to listen to country music. I know. That's okay. I was going to invite him. I do know. On the road again. I know that song. I was going to wrap a benediction whenever we were come moving out of here, but now I'm not going to do it. Yeah. 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 yeah, there's a change in the last song, band. Don't do the rap <laughs> number. <laughs> Kill the rap. Kill the rap. <laughs> but, but, but can I say this, Pastor Mark? I, I got to say this. We, we have to not generalize everybody. That's right. Amen. A lot of times right. we, you know, we, we say black people are for all, uh, Black Lives Matter, the movement. I disagree with some of the movement uh, in the sense that I'm not for transgender. I'm not for uh, same sex and things of that nature. I am for the statement that black lives matter. And let me, let me, let me, let me tell you why I believe it's important for us as believers. If no one else, I don't care about the culture. Sinners do sinners do what sinners do. They sin that, that, you know, there's a lot of chaos in the culture, but as believers, we should have a different lens and let me tell you how we pick and choose based on the relationships we have or whether or not we feel a connection. When the bombs blew up in Boston, everyone's avatar was Boston strong. Mm, yeah. When Las Vegas shooters shot up Vegas, we were Vegas strong. When the black guys that were getting shot by law enforcement, and then I come and say black lives matter, my other friends say, well, all lives matter. Mm. When Boston happened, you didn't say, well, wh- what about Chicago? Mm. <laughs> yeah. Right? When Vegas happened, you see what I'm saying? What, when, when you go to breast cancer awareness program, mm-hmm. you don't come in and say, well, what about colon cancer? Mm-hmm. Right? So just know that when you say all lives matter, all lives do matter. Yeah. But, but, but right now it's Boston. Right now it's Vegas. Right now it's breast cancer. Right now it's people that look like me, you know? And, and I will even say politically, I want you to hear me when I say this. I want Proverbs 38 one says we are should be a voice for the voiceless. What I would like now, I wouldn't mind reparations. If you want to write me a check. That's cool too. <laughs> but what I would like more, more importantly, because I don't believe money is going to fix the heart is honesty and solidarity. And to feel like that we are brothers and sisters that when I hurt, you hurt when I mourn, you mourn. That's more important than, to me than than any policy or anything else. And 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 I'm tell you why I I I try not to to steer up the political part is because we have this thing to where you have pro-choice and pro-life. From my experience, and this is where my brothers helped me, but from my experience, I've seen both political parties. In, in my perspective, government, period, has not been kind to people that look like me. Just overall government, big government. One of the, I call it, plantations has enabled my culture as far as giving us a lot of charity, right? I'm not for, I, I believe there's some people that need help. Their welfare is important for, for certain cases, but I don't believe it's meant for us to stay on and to be dependent upon but, but now you got to address some systems that are in place that's keeping them there. So I'm not for that. But I'm also not for the silence of a conservative Christian value-based party that's silent when it comes to issues that affect me. Mm-hmm. So I have two black boys. If I have to choose between the party that's silent and the party that's pro-choice, I'm going this way. Let me tell you why. 
because I can teach my daughter not to have an abortion. I can teach my sons that abortions are wrong. I can teach my sons homosexuality and lesbianism and the same state is not the will of God. I can teach them that. And as a matter of fact, I'm supposed to as a man of God. I can't teach them how not to be black. Mm, mm, mm. And so that's the reason why sometimes you see this thing to where people will go either this way or that way. And that's why I'm I'm kind of really over the conversation of what parties, what matters. I think we need to take it all back to the word. And what does God's word say? How should we operate when it comes to righteousness and justice? Yeah, and there's not yeah. a political candidate alive that's going to line up with those standards completely. And that's that's, right. that's where we that's get. unfortunate. Yeah, it's, it's, yeah, but it we, is. We wish it was that. We wish it was different. But now we just like you said, you get pushed into these camps, and we talk about this right. a lot. Is you're getting pushed into these camps, and you're expected to hate each other. Yeah, you're expected yeah. not cooperate. And if you even talk to that other camp, you're being weak. Right. And so that's you're right. That's Jesus is what transcends all that. But Jesus ain't in politics. That's right. That's right. That's, that's right. right. That's, that's right. Come back to Jesus. Well, that's, that's right. right. And that's where we have to be careful because Jesus said, listen, do what you got to do with Caesar. But just remember, you're with me. That's right. And so our kingdom is not of this world. And that's we right. can get wrapped up in trying to get the world to fix the problems when Jesus says that really these problems won't be fixed except in my kingdom. And so we kind of it, this is. Somewhat of the uncomfortable position we sometimes find ourselves in is trying to live within the kingdom, but recognizing there's a place that we have to also be appealing and and mm. uh, speaking to Caesar, you know, right. or you know, we need to be speaking to things we have a voice to speak to. That's right. There but, you go. That's yeah. good. But, um, That's good. I, I do like, you know, one of the the real challenges that we face is being an informed people. And Christians are bad about this. We're, we're bad. About, it's not just Christians. That's not fair to say. All people right now are bad about this. Like, I, I, I believe what you tell me to believe. Whoever I've chosen to be the authority in my life, I believe what you told me to believe. Rather than I have done the work to find out what's the truth. Wow. And then I have come to what I believe is the right uh, right decision to make here. That's good. I think that's one of the reasons that we have so, we have so much disagreement on Black Lives Matter, which... And I think in large part is because of a misunderstanding that you could be doing saying two completely different things there. Like you can be saying Black Lives Matter in a in a stand of solidarity to say that for those that feel like a large portion of their neighbors don't think they matter, they matter. There's a, a, a Black Lives Matter mindset there. But there's also an organization right. that we don't have to get fully behind an organization that is co-opting the phrase – we can still understand the concept that it's, yes, all lives matter. Yes, right. But black lives matter. But that doesn't mean that I have to now jump in politically with an organization using that same name. Same with um, any issue that we have facing right now. Like we did the town hall on Thursday. And um, within those issues, uh, a lot of people just aren't informed on what's really happening. And if you're not informed and you're just shouting and yelling, and yet you're not trying to figure out, okay, now where do we fix the problem? Then all you end up doing is shouting and yelling. Well, the problem is this. It's okay for the boat to be in the water. What's not okay is when the water gets in the boat. And I think as the people of God, we're in this world, mm -hmm. but not of it. Yeah. And we have to stand on what God's word says, yeah. even when it comes to po politics. Right. Because, again, even if you say I vote Democrat, 
I'm not for same sex. I was not for that when President Obama sanctioned that piece. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, you you any organization is going to have its immoralities and things of that nature. So, I think we have to be careful that we speak where we're supposed to speak and trust God to do the rest. That's right. That's right. Let me ask you this question, yeah. Marcellus, along those lines. Do you get heat from the black community when you say you didn't agree with everything President I, Obama did? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. First of all, they think I'm crazy, so they won't try me in there. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. But, no, I don't, actually, uh, because most of my, my space are are faith, faith-based faith people, mm-hmm. and we all understand that God in, intended for man and woman. Uh, and so, yes, I, I, I don't get any pushback from that. And, that, and, and I, I think my struggle when I talk to some of my white brothers that are conservative is I'm okay with you not liking Obama. Yeah. That's fine. Uh, because there's things I didn't like, right. but but I don't like hypocrisy when it comes yeah. to you don't like him for this, but then you're going to endorse th- this guy but, yeah. for that. Yeah. And that's the way it gets, it gets muddy. So that's why my thing is I, I pretty much still love even when I disagree, yeah. as we said earlier, and just I, I, I kind of mm. just respect yeah. their views. But the hypocrisy is the, probably yeah, the part. And, and that's just, that's just the, the nature of politics. That's because it. We saw that when President Obama was there. People were saying, you need to, you know, you may not agree with him. You may not like everything he does, but you should just respect the office. Yeah. Now, on the opposite side, we see the same people that were not agreeing with that <laughs> say, you need to respect you the office because my guy's in there now. That's right. You know, uh, and it's just, yeah. that's where it all breaks down. Yeah, it yeah. does. I think we've got a question from the audience. Right, right. I just, I just want to say that you have to be for our office. That's right. We have to represent the Spirit, which is that good. And I'm trying to make, make those changes. Anything about that, because that's what that's about. That's right. But you've got to get a foot in there somewhere. That's right. All we're doing is polarizing ourselves from that position by um, saying, well, we can still make some changes. Yeah, let me synopsis that real quick because I don't know if they can hear you online, Leslie. She basically asks, as, as Christians, how do we reach out to the LGBTQ community that we don't necessarily agree from God's perspective with the lifestyle, but we still want to be able to reach out and understand them as human beings? Yeah, I, I think that <clears throat> one of the biggest one of the biggest things that get me, I'm going to try to answer this in, in a couple different ways, but just follow me real quick. You have to catch a fish before you clean it, okay? It's just impossible to do. You, you can't clean it before you catch it. I, I also believe that you can't make withdrawals where you haven't made deposits, mm. okay? Uh, it will say insufficient funds. Um, and, and Jesus modeled this whenever the Bible says, it says literally, he received publicans and the sinners. He was at a party at old Matthew's house and they were getting down and everybody was doing their thing. Jesus received the publicans and the sinners. The Pharisees were murmuring and complaining about him being in their presence. Now, I I, I don't know how others feel about this, but we have people that attend our fellowship that I know uh, uh, have had challenges with 
uh, alternative the, the lifestyles of, of, of LGBTQ. Um, and what I believe is this right here. Jesus uh, made sure that he gave uh, what it says, uh, grace and truth, right? Um, we have to be in a space and we have to be secure to be able to love somebody even when we don't agree. I think this is one of the most challenging things for Christians because when we disagree with something, we tend to not want to love, embrace, or even foster a relationship, which defeats the whole purpose of reaching people that are not. The whole thing is you want people that are not saved. That's our that that's where we want to be. And, and I think that the simple answer, the short of it is you say, how do you engage? You just do it. Mm. You just do it. I was down at the protest and I I mean, me and Pastor Chris was sitting there man, and I hadn't smelled weed that strong in a long time. <laughs> I mean, it was strong, and I, I started to text my wife to say, "Listen, when I come home, if you smell me, I want you to know it was, you know." Uh, you didn't uh, inhale, so yeah. it's okay. I didn't inhale. Yeah, didn't you inhale. know, and 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 so I can't forget where God brought me from. I can't forget that He delivered me. When God saved me, I was not. If we be honest, we were not in, you know, what the black folks call the mourners bench in the front row of the church. Some people were in clubs that were getting shot up and said, God, if you get me through this, I promise I'll give you my life. Or the test came back and you, Lord, please don't let me be pregnant. Please don't let me have it. You know, you've been incarcerated. God, if you get me out this time, I promise. You know, we were in places where, like the Samaritan woman. We were in some destitute places where God found us. And we are so, I believe, self-righteous sometimes. And we get to this place to where we forget where God has brought us from. If the, listen, if the closer we get to God, honestly, I think the more compassion we'll have for other people because he exposes how 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 dirty we really are. Mm -hmm. And so I, I think that's a form of self-righteousness. But we have to just be intentional to go where they are and to be secure in who you are, not assimilate, but to be able to have conversation and to be able just to get to know them. I think that that's where it starts the relationship and then that will foster other areas where you can go a little deeper. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's right. In our sins, it's funny how we only focus on the sins from the waist down, <laughs> right? We, we, we don't like to talk about sins from the waist up, the heart. That's, okay? that's good. That's good. If, if, if our sin had an odor, okay, there's a lot of people I don't think we want to sit next to. Mm. If there's if the, if we could smell their heart, I'm glad you're in between me and Mark this morning. Right. <laughs> when you think about it that way, think about it. And I'm I'm so blessed to see that you're moved. That's the heart that that God wants us to have. For though this is why we're losing the generation, is because 
We want them to think like us, dress like us, act like us. And we forget that where we were, God did. See, this, this, I'm going to say this. I promise I'm going to shut up. When the Pharisees, <laughs> when the Pharisees, Jesus starts saying stuff like love your enemies. Man, mm. he start getting, start dealing with iniquities. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? They, they, they didn't like that kind of Jesus. Well, he start talking about the heart because now, watch this. I'm now up in your, now I'm up in your stuff. This woman was caught in adultery, but you murdered your brother just by the way you spoke about him. And so we have to be okay with seeing those people the way God saw us. That yeah. goes from preaching to meddling, doesn't it? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. I, and yes. I and and right. I would also go on to say yeah. there is. There is a lack of depth theologically and doctrinally wow. in Christians today. Wow. They don't understand how God works, what God says. And Scripture is very clear yeah. about what you just said, and that uh, the Holy Spirit is the only one that has the power to change a life. That's right. Like, we can't do it. You know, even, even if you're a great worship leader and you can whip up a room and that's get right. everybody crying. That's right. That's, they're they're going to walk out the door That's and the right. music's going to stop. That's right. There's only one thing that can change a heart, and and Scripture says it's the, it's the the Holy Spirit through the gospel mm-hmm. changes us through God's grace, love, and our His willingness to accept our pleas. Uh, but it is the Holy Spirit that changes. That's right. And we have a tendency to want to people to. Uh, get their life in order if they're going to come to Christ. And I can't tell you how many times I, I've heard people say, yeah, I just, I got some stuff I need to get together first. That's the whole point of the gospel yeah. is you'll never get it together. I never That's got right. it together, That's right. you know, and, but yet the, the, the call to love is so universal that we've even lost the impact that love can have on someone. Wow. Love, you know, covers so many um, obstacles, boundaries, chasms between people that when we begin to love, that's, that's what we were created. That's how we were created to live. And, and it's been corrupted within us so that when, no matter how we separate people, you know, whether you, uh, go to this denomination church or you like this kind of music, or this is your pastor, or you're this skin color, or you're this sexual orientation, or we, we categorize people like they are products in a store. Wow. And that is not the heart of God. The heart of God is is loving people so that they can experience the love of Christ. That's good. And as they experience the love of Christ and the Holy Spirit works within them, they are transformed into a new creation, one in which we cannot preach a sermon that will ever do the work of the Holy Spirit. All we can do is point to the work of what the Holy Spirit can do in someone. If we take it upon ourselves to judge or to say these are your five things. Well, now Marcellus, you you you're smelling you're smelling like you're on, been on something tonight. Mm-hmm. You know, you can't you can't Jesus doesn't love you when you do that. We have so made the gospel a weapon rather than being a thing that liberates from brokenness and and oppression because sin talked about in scripture is oppressive. It is uh, it, you know, Paul said do not return again to the yoke or the burden of sin. You broke free from those chains. Don't return to those chains. Right. And yet 
sometimes when we withhold love, not sometimes, every time we withhold love, then we are we are forcing them back into those same chains. Wow. The, the encouraging part wow. for me is when you're talking about Paul, if he preached that, if he came back and said, man, I don't live it all the time. That's right. I can't, That's good. I can't live up to the expectation I even set for myself. That's good. So yeah. I can't do it. So, yeah, we've got to realize that, especially when we're looking at other people and we're we're looking at their smell and we don't smell ourselves. That's you know, right. That's the problem is we need to smell ourselves. Oh, and man. I, go out and I'm, I'm glad our that's sins good. don't smell. Oh, oh, yeah. oh, my goodness. We'd all be in trouble. <laughs> Listen, we got to let we got to let you get back to your family. I want you to thank your wife for sharing you with us today uh, and your kids on Father's Day. Um, I, I'm excited for our churches to get together. I we are going to we are going to do more things together. And listen, some of you that, that have been asking for a choir at Journey, listen, uh, Pastor Barnes here is putting together a choir that you can be a part of. Yes. And, and even if you can't sing, he's going to fix that, right? That's right. We'll fix it. <laughs> the Holy Spirit will if I can, right? Yeah, I, saw, I saw here this morning, Pam Richmond says, talking back to, to Rick, says, you know, there's an open invitation. I want to be the first to invite you and your family to Grace Point. Yeah. So, I noticed, Pam, you didn't enjoy invite me and Mark, so I'm a little disappointed <laughs> So, so <laughs> Pam is supposed to be here. I can got to hold Oliver accountable here. Pam is supposed to be here in, in two weeks. Now you know that's my sister. I did not know. That's right. You know, she, I did know that. She's the oldest. But I didn't make uh, the connection. Uh, I'm the youngest. Oliver's told me that. All seven. She's the oldest of the seven. I'm the youngest. All right. Yeah. Do you ever get in trouble with her? She... <laughs> she used to get on me a lot, but I've I've gotten better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, that's 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 good. All right. Yeah. <laughs> we go. want to thank you for joining us. It's awesome. Um, we 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 will have Pastor Barnes back with us again, um, and then and we'll next, go and we'll go worship with him. Yeah, not just him coming here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll yeah. love it. We'll love it. Um, and uh, next week, uh, I hope you'll join us. Paul Lee will be with us. Um, we've still got have lots to talk about over the next two weeks, but thank you thank for you sharing so much, with man. us. Love, Love you, man. You. And you are just, you are a blessing. And uh, thank you, Scott. Appreciate it's it's yeah. had a lot of fun with me this week. Now, you were on a conference call this week that got a lot of negative comments. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I would have done that if I were you. Yeah. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I appreciate your heart, your, your openness, your welcoming. Um, us to this conversation and taking time out of your away from your family to be with us. Um, we've got one more song we're going to do. I'm not sure if anybody's still online watching. Uh, and um, and then we're going to let you go and you can be with your family. Thank you for being with us. We'll Thanks, see you Jeremy. next week. <laughs>